Happy Easter, everybody. Wow, you look amazing. Mosaic has never looked so good. <laughs> Guys, we've got our shirts tucked in. Ladies have dresses on. This is amazing. Uh, what a beautiful morning it is to be together. Uh, but even more importantly, what a beautiful name, that name of Jesus. Uh, I want to I welcome our big kids who are with us uh, in our gathering this morning. Big kids, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for being with us. We just wanted to give you an opportunity to see what we're all about in here. And we love having you guys around. So big kids, yes, thank you. Uh, Mosaic, my name is Kurt. If we haven't met, uh, I have the opportunity, the privilege of pastoring um, this wonderful group of people. And uh, man, my heart is full every time that we gather. And my heart is full every time that we leave this place. And I know the ways that we go out into the world. Um, to be that way of love, that way of love that Jesus modeled for us. It truly is a beautiful thing. Mosaic, I, I have no Easter showcase for you this morning. I have no Easter showcase. I only have a moment that I hope will lead you into a quiet, sacred moment where the risen Jesus can speak into your life. That's my hope this morning, is that you would allow the risen Jesus to speak into your life. Seven days ago, a professional golfer who appeared to be done and washed up just a short time ago showcased his comeback on the biggest stage of the golfing world, the Masters. Before Thanksgiving night 2009, Tiger Woods was a golf god. He could do no wrong. Then on that Thanksgiving night of 2009, everything changed. The night ended with him being chased out of his house with a golf club. The back window of his luxury car smashed in by his angry wife and his car eventually smashing into a fire hydrant and a tree as he was groggy from Ambien. And it continued downhill from there. But last Sunday, seven days ago, Tiger resurrected to godlike status in the golf world. He was resurrected into the top ranks of professional golf. He embraced his children as he left the 18th green. And unless you're not breathing or you're just a Scrooge, you couldn't help but share his joy and excitement. And so as I watched all of this unfold and considered all that had happened before that, I couldn't help but think to myself, if I were Jesus, if I were Jesus, I mean, this was the long-awaited Messiah Israel's future. Uh, he had healed. He had performed miracles. He even raised someone from the dead for crying out loud. And then he was crucified and placed in a tomb. Everyone thought this was the end. Another failed hope of a failed Messiah. If I were Jesus, I would have staged a showcase wouldn't have you, right? I mean, wouldn't you have staged a showcase? Uh, 
In whatever the showcase, I certainly would have streamed it on social media so everyone can see it. Just as Tiger walked onto Augusta National Golf Course, if I were Jesus, I would have walked right back into the Roman courts and said, excuse me, where is Pontius Pilate? Um, I'm here to make Jesus great again. Right? I would have showcased the event. I would have walked right back into the Colosseum and dragged every Roman soldier, especially that one who had spit on me and pierced my side. I would have grabbed every Roman soldier and done my business and then threw my hands up in the air and said, Are you not entertained? This is what I would have done. I would have walked right into the temple courts and cranked up LL Cool J. Yo mama said, knock you out. I'm here for a comeback. I would have created a showcase mosaic, and I think most of us here, yeah, we can get that sense. Why would I have done that? Because I have an ego. I have something to prove. I often get in the way of what God is looking to accomplish. But not Jesus. This isn't who Jesus is. Mosaic, my hope for you this morning is this, is that you would know this. Jesus isn't interested in showcasing his resurrection for you. We all love signs, right? The people who were with Jesus demanded signs all the time, but Jesus isn't interested in showcasing his resurrection for you. However, he is passionate about stepping into sacred moments of our lives and speaking new life into our sorrow, our fear, and our skepticism. Mosaic, let's not allow today to be an event. Let's not allow today to be just a series of activities of moving from one thing to another. Let's allow today to be an opportunity to usher you into a sacred moment where Jesus can speak into your life. Friday's tragedy, right? Friday's tragedies, we experience them in all kinds of ways. Death is a real thing. And Saturday's grief and sorrow and silence, God, where are you? Those are very real experiences. And God in Christ stepped into those experiences that we experience so often. They're real and they're powerful, Friday's tragedy was God's entrance into death. Saturday was God's entrance into the silence so prevalent in our grief and our sorrow. But Sunday morning is about victory. It's about hope. It's about new beginnings. Mosaic, the worst thing is never the last thing. In Mosaic, Jesus is passionate about now creating a new human family. Right here, a new human family. And we all get to be a part of it. Yes, who experience those tragedies, who experience the grief and the sorrow, but also experience the hope and the way of Jesus to embody a way of love and a way of courage and a way of trust as we step out into the world. And so, Mosaic, what I want to do is I want to, I want to have us look at a few instances where Jesus speaks new beginnings into people's lives. The first one, Jesus speaks new beginnings into our sorrow. John chapter 20, verses 15 through 17. Jesus asked her, meaning Mary Magdalene, woman, why are you crying? 
Who is it you are looking for? Remember, it's that early morning of the first day of the week, that resurrection morning where Mary Magdalene is going to the tomb, and in her sorrow, she's looking for Jesus. Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said. And a beautiful moment here, because remember, what began in a garden at the beginning of Genesis chapter 1? What began in a garden? So Jesus, in a sense, is beginning something new here, even in the midst of her sorrow, thinking that he's the gardener. Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mosaic, Mary Magdalene had a past. She had a story. And it was a past and a story that others loved to talk about. But not only did they love to talk about it, they also liked to keep her from a distance. Mary Magdalene was one who, she didn't experience the blessing of community around her because of the stereotypes that came with her. But Jesus, all through his life walking with her, provided a place for her. She had a home. She had a place of belonging. And so it's no wonder that Jesus, I mean, Jesus was her hope. Jesus was the one who had given her a new opportunity, a new beginning. And so here she is in the midst of her sorrow because what does this mean for me? And there's these words that Jesus speaks to Mary Magdalene. Woman, why are you crying? What's really at the root of your sorrow? And maybe that's a question that Jesus has for us. Why so sad? Why crying? What's, What's causing that? But then Jesus says to her, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to me because I'm, I'm going somewhere. And I think this is important for us to understand, Mosaic, because Jesus is always taking us to new places. Jesus is always moving us forward. And so it's kind of impossible to say, well, I liked it when Jesus worked this way here. I liked it when life was like this, and we want to hold on to that. But Jesus says, no, I'm moving forward. We have a new creation that's moving forward, and we're moving into this. And so you can't hold on to me here, but you can follow me and trust here, and I'm with you. Don't be sorrowful. Let's go. Let's move forward into the potential, into the opportunities. Mosaic, Jesus speaks into our sorrow. He also speaks peace into our fear. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 21. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You can almost, you can almost kind of see the scene in your mind, right? I mean, these followers of Jesus, who they're, they're perplexed. They're scared. It is a scary world out there. You never know what lies around the corner. And some of us feel it every morning because we don't even want to get out from under the covers. 
Because sometimes just getting out from under the covers exposes us to the danger, to the real threat out in the world. For some of us right now, maybe just going to school is a difficult thing. For some of us, just stepping out and actually trying to live into a calling that we know is before us, it's a real scary threat. We wake up in the morning and we have the sense that we live in this global economy and it's really not working for us, right? Some of us have a sense that, man, this could be really scary in the future. Some of us live with a real sense of fear every time we see our image in the mirror because we just don't know if it's going to bring us acceptance from the world. If we saw the news this morning, tragedy struck in Sri Lanka on Easter morning there. Guys, it is a scary world out there. And Jesus knows it. Jesus fully stepped into it and suffered at the hands of that crazy, sick, chaotic world. And as the worst of the world was poured out on him, he recycled back love and grace and forgiveness. And so he steps into kind of the locked doors where we want to stay safe, where we can control things. He says, look, hey, peace be with you. He wants to speak into our fear. Mosaic, where are you fearful this morning? Your fear is real. My fear is real. Will you allow Jesus to speak in in a sacred moment? Peace be with you. And I'm sending you. I'm sending you out into the world. I want you to step out from the locked doors. I want you to step out from places where it's safe. Because guess what? You understand the way of love. You understand the way of giving yourself to the world. You understand the way of creating something new in the midst of what is. And what did Jesus do? He breathed on them. Now again, let's go back to the original creation story at the beginning of Scripture. And what happens? Jesus takes dirt from the ground, all right? God takes dirt from the ground. And and what does he do? He forms a human being and he breathes life. And so again, this is a creation story, right? Mary's thinking that Jesus is the gardener, referring back to the creation story. Jesus breathing on his disciples just the way that God breathed into that human being. This is a creation story. Jesus wants to bring about a new creation in you as a result of his rising again from the dead on Easter mosaic. Jesus speaks peace into our fear. And finally, mosaic, Jesus speaks his presence into our skepticism. John chapter 20, verses 26 through 29. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Thomas wasn't there the first time, and so though the doors were still locked, because sometimes it takes us a long little while to kind of get out from our place of fear, right? And that's okay. Jesus keeps stepping back into it. So again, Jesus comes back in through the doors, were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Poor Doubting Thomas, right? I mean, this guy really gets the bad rap, right? I mean, how'd you like to be known for ages as Doubting Thomas? Um, I tend to think that Doubting Thomas should be referred to as Wounded Thomas. Because chances are, if you have some skepticisms about this whole Jesus thing, if you have some questions and some doubts about, I don't know if I can really step out from a place of fear and become a new person, Chances are you're a skeptic. Chances are you're doubting because you've been wounded in a very real way. And I know this much, Mosaic. When I've been wounded, when I've been hurt, one of my first questions, whether I speak it or not, or one of my first thoughts, whether I actually verbalize it or not, is this. God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And so I believe that doubting Thomas is really wounded, Thomas. And at the root of a lot of our skepticisms, the root of a lot of our doubts is simply we've been wounded. We've been hurt. And oftentimes, maybe we've been hurt and wounded by people who actually have done it in the name of Jesus. And that makes it even more detrimental. But do you notice what Jesus invites Thomas to do? Jesus invites Thomas to touch his wounds. See, we're asking the question, Jesus, why would you allow this to happen to me if you're really good, if you're really Lord of all, if you're really with me on this journey, then why would you allow these wounds? And we're asking that question, and Jesus is saying to us, do you realize that I've entered into the wounds of this world with you? I didn't want to just take away the wounds. I actually wanted to enter into your experience. And so touch my wounds. Put your hand into my side. Come on, let's walk forward together. Jesus speaks his presence into our woundedness, Mosaic. It's a beautiful thing. Mosaic, next week when we gather, uh, we're going to look at one more situation where Uh, Jesus speaks into our comparisons, right? We're always looking around at us. Well, I kind of prefer her journey. I prefer his journey. Why couldn't life have worked out for me like that? What about him? What about her? We're going to look into that next week. Um, So just a little teaser there. Uh, But Mosaic, my my hope for you is this. In a world of showcasing, In a world of showcasing, would you allow today to be a moment where Jesus can speak a sacred moment into your life? Where you can allow him to speak into your sorrow. Where he'll say, I know, I know this is difficult, but we can't stay where we liked it back here. We're moving forward We're moving forward, but we're moving forward in hope even though the grief is still real. Would you let Jesus speak into your fear where Jesus can simply say to you, peace be with you. And look, I'm breathing on you and I want to create a new life in you. I'm going to do something new in you and let's move forward from your fear and just keep allowing him to speak that into your life. Peace be with you.
Would you allow Jesus to speak into your skepticism and your doubts? Maybe realize the way that behind those things are real wounds, but Jesus has experienced those wounds himself. I realize, Mosaic, that for some of us in this room, you might say to yourself, well, yeah, yeah, okay, this sounds beautiful, it sounds nice, I get it. But I think truth is a very elusive thing. And so I just don't know if I buy all of this. Like, I'll go through the motions, but I just don't know if I really believe in a risen Jesus, in a risen God who is alive and now Lord over all, who can speak into the sacred moments of my life. I just don't know if I believe in this. I realize that truth sometimes, it feels very elusive, especially when sometimes those who claim truth seem to use it in sick and powerful ways, right? They twist it, and they use it in in the ways that Jesus didn't display. And so my thought for you this morning is this. On this Easter, if truth seems elusive, then pursue goodness and beauty and self-emptying love because that will ultimately lead you to what is true, In Mosaic, I believe that Jesus will be there to greet you. As you chase that which is truly beautiful and good and self-emptying love, you will find truth and you will find Jesus there to meet you and take all the time that you need. God's just fine with that. There's nothing left for you to do, right? That's why Jesus on that cross on that Good Friday could say, It's finished. It's finished. There's nothing left for us to do, Mosaic. Just let him speak into, let him speak into your sorrow, your fear, your skepticism. Pursue beauty and goodness and self-emptying love and discover that the risen Jesus is there waiting for you, bringing you into a new future that Mosaic, he's creating. He's creating and we get to be a part of it. I want to invite the band back as we get ready to close in a final song this morning. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather here on a beautiful Easter morning, a beautiful resurrection morning in Lincoln. God, thank you for the Graduate Hotel and uh, their warm welcome of us this morning. Thank you for Darren, our host, and all the others who have made this possible for us here at The Graduate. And and we pray a blessing over this place, Uh, that this hotel, that the guests here, uh, that the banquets that happen here, that everything that happens here, that it would would truly be uh, just a collection of of good things that lead people to hope and life and, and blessing and new possibility. God, I pray that throughout the activity of today, that each and every person here could take a moment, take many moments, and allow you to just just speak, speak sacred moments into their life. God, we open ourselves up to you. And God, for some of us, change might be miraculous. It might be instant. For, for some of us, change might be a slow process. God, things even right now in the midst of this beautiful springtime, they're, they're growing in all kinds of erratic ways. We see some things that seem to sprout overnight. 
and other things that just seem really dead, and it's a slow renewal that's taking place. It all belongs. So, God, we, we thank you that you are working in each of our lives and that your grace allows time to be a gift. So we, uh, we commit our afternoon to you. We commit our lives to you. And we simply say thank you uh, for the gift of your life, your love, uh, your death, your resurrection. We pray this in your name. Amen.